forever. Dog! Anna. Hi, Andrew. Hey, everybody else. And welcome to our podcast, Scary, Scary Stories, Stories to Tell, to tell on the, the Pod. pod. It's, it's a podcast. Motherfuck. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Anna and I, in a true twist, are recording each from our individual apartments on opposite coasts. No studio involved at all. No, there was no time at Forever Dog for us to record, which... I think bodes well for our future there, probably, right? (laughs) Well, they've got so many great shows. And also, we're busy people, and Thanksgiving is this week, and we just couldn't tear ourselves away from the kitchens, our respective We couldn't. Andrew and I famously start cooking the turkey a week in advance, and by the time Thanksgiving happens, it's so rotten that if anyone were to eat it, they would get very sick. (laughs) So, oh, and that's just how that works for our family. I love that Pat Regan quote so much. That's just works for me and my family. Oh, is that a Pat Regan thing? I think he, I think he popularized it. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so I give up. It is Thanksgiving week. This is a podcast about scary stories and spooky things. You're listening to a podcast about scary stories and spooky things. Um, even though the holiday season is quickly approaching, that tells us a lot about you. Uh, but we're grateful for you. We're very grateful for you. Um, not everyone has to have a family. Some people <laughs> are Kyle XYs. Some people <laughs> are friends with a Kyle XY. Mm, um, uh, you don't have to have a belly button to have Thanksgiving. That billboard still sticks with me that hovered over over uh, Astor Place. And that very attractive man with no belly button, whoever did the marketing for that is a really smart ad person. It really, I mean, I I can't say that I've seen a single episode of it, but no. it is lodged forever in my mind. Yeah, I know he didn't that's have right. a That's right. That's when we were, we were freshmen then. Yeah. Very, uh, a very deeply affecting image to see. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's Thanksgiving. He's... <laughs> Sorry. No, you go ahead. No, we should introduce the podcast properly. I'm not going to just talk about Kyle XY. <laughs> That'll be for our Patreon subscribers, <laughs> which we don't have. It's just the, the Patreon version of this that doesn't exist is just Anna and I talking about hot CW semi-supernatural characters. Yes. And then the like absolute premium Patreon is the sounds of us taking a nap. <laughs> ASMR of just like ruffling blankets. Yes. Um, so Anna, it's a Monday. It sure is a Monday. Which is a scary story day. And because of the month of Thanksgiving, this whole time we have been doing food centric scary stories. Correct. Uh, Anna brought in just a wonderful sausage last week. Yes. Which is a really great one. Oh, I think you just tipped what you're going to do. I just tipped I it. love this story. Yeah. So I'm going to read another food related scary story. Uh, it'll be a Monday when you hear this, so probably you'll be traveling or maybe putting together your shopping list. And I feel it is appropriate for me to read the tale from Scary Stories 3, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark by Alvin Schwartz with illustrations by Stephen Gamble. The classic story, just delicious. Woo! 
Alrighty, I'm just gonna dive right in. How about that? Sounds great. George Flint loved to eat. We get a lot of information right off the bat. We got a first name, last name. Well, We've got three additional words. Yeah, we get what he loved. <laughs> <laughs> Each day at noon, he closed his camera shop for two hours and went home for a big lunch his wife Mina cooked for him. This is the most information I feel like we've ever gotten about a character right off the bat. It's his routine. It's where he works. It's he got come home. What kind of factory? He works. He owns a camera shop. Oh, my God. I just absolutely profiled him. <laughs> what kind of factory? Because, what kind of factory? Uh, he's a doctor. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what it is? I've always pictured George Flint as George Went. Oh, um, yeah. Because as a child, I watched a lot of Whose Line and George Went was on, I want to say, two episodes of Whose Line. Wow. That is what I know him from. Did you know George Went is Jason Sudeikis' uncle? Oh, my God. I do remember learning this fact. Mm-hmm. I'm electrified to be reminded. Now we all know. Okay, so George Flint, camera shop, loves a big lunch, his wife Mina. George was a bully, and Mina was a timid woman who did everything he asked because she was afraid of him. Already we've got a tragedy on our hands, you know? We love it. Yeah. You love to see it. Toxic, very toxic. Immediately aligning ourselves with Mina. If if you're not doing that, I don't know what's wrong with you and I can't help you. Yeah. He's he's so, he's a violent man because he works in a, a meat factory. <laughs> so stupid. The camera shop on the side is just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. On his way home for lunch one day, George stopped at the butcher shop and bought a pound of liver. He loved liver. He would have Mina cook it for dinner that night. Despite all his complaints about her, she was a very good cook. This guy sucks. This guy is absolutely... You know that he smells bad. (laughs) And he tries to cover it up with Old Spice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a smell out of smell. It's a particular form of psychological abuse if your whole relationship is dependent on you valuing your spouse's cooking skills and nothing else about them to then buy a cut of meat that you're like, now you make this for me, you know? It's crazy. Well, that just shows that he doesn't let her shop. Right, which is also weird. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't like this George Flynn <laughs> Have you ever had liver before? I can't remember. I my mother is a big liver and onions person. Yeah. Um, is liver worse liver? No, it's like I feel like it's made with liver, right? Ugh, I used to love liver worst when wow. I was in fourth grade. This is how you keep your kids virgins for a long time. <laughs> send them to school with liver worst and ketchup sandwiches. <laughs> oh, Anna. Oh boy. I think I was just being contrarian. I kind um, of like that. Were you a liver person? Um, I I don't know that I've ever had liver. Our friend Billy Domino loves liver very much. And He's so nasty. if it is on a menu at a diner, he will get it. And that's just sort of, for me, the, like, central problem with Billy. <laughs> that, for me, like, sums it all up. I was on a bachelor party trip with him one time, and... We we like we like played mini golf and went laser tagging and uh, and we went to a diner and we were all like getting burgers and fries and Billy's choice to get liverwurst, 
I mean, it really set the tone for the whole weekend, I think. Oh, my God. Apparently, if you like liver, your parent, your parents were at least one of six. <laughs> As I think Billy said, you can really taste the iron, which means to me that it tastes Ew. like blood, right? Like grit, yeah. Yeah, ugh. Oh, boy. God damn. So, okay, while George ate his lunch, Mina told him that a rich old woman in town had died. Her body was in the church next door. It was an open coffin. Anyone who wanted to see her could. As usual, George was not interested in what Mina had to say. I've got to go back to work, he told her. Ugh. But I also have questions about Mina, you know? Say more. That it's... It implies a lot, and maybe this was just a cultural thing at the time, that when a rich old person dies, that you feel obligated to go to the funeral, you know? Is that a thing? I don't know. It's just as interesting that that um, she would present that. Maybe that's just information she knows. But otherwise, it kind of feels like it's the equivalent to saying to your partner, like, wow, that new, like, Funko pop-up store is open, and I was thinking we could drop by. You know, like... It, it feels like she is edging towards asking if, like, you guys want to go out on a date. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get I – get, it's sort of like a royal wedding, like a rich person funeral. <laughs> the box is open. You can go look. You can probably poke. Yeah, um, who's to say? That's the sort of funeral I want. I just want to be in, like, basically a Tupperware container <laughs> – in like an abandoned office max yeah uh and people can just come in and look you're going full eerie indiana yes uh i don't know what that means oh did you never watch that show no there was it was like it was like a creepy town the lead actor from hocus pocus was the main character in it i think his name was omri katz and he lived in a weird town called Erie, Indiana, and every episode was like a new strange thing. And there was an episode where there were next-door neighbors who were obsessed with Tupperware, and uh, they just had never aged because they slept in Tupperware at night. Ah. And in the end, he to save the two kids who'd been like in seventh grade forever, uh, the, the guy like goes to the house in the middle of the night and, cr- and like pops the seal for the Tupperware, and then they all get old overnight. Oh no! But it's good. Well, the the kids don't. They're just like middle aged, and, but then the mother oh, gets nice. the mother gets super old. That would suck to go straight from like twelve to fifty. <laughs> I, know. I know. I don't know if those twins well, knew what they were in for. Okay, so George goes back to work. Mina, per usual, has had her interests disregarded. It's a big bummer. Oh, Mina, if only you were born like thirty years later and could have gone to. Sarah Lawrence or something where someone could have appreciated. I don't know. She feels like a Trump voter to me. <laughs> oh no. Oh, we brought politics into it. Yeah, there was one reviewer who was furious. Gave us a one-star review because she was like, "This this podcast got too political." And I truly was like, "What?" <laughs> when we were like, "The cheese has a hat and it has a friend and it comes around a bend." And it's my friend, Andrew Farmer. And she was like, I, I listen to podcasts to escape politics. Like, literally, we are full on ghost nonsense. Yeah, there is nothing of substance that we talk about. I'm curious now. I know. Um, it was probably me. I apologize. No, no, no. It could have been either of us. In which case, sorry if we got too political. It's a scary sorry, story about podcasts. Both- uh, a scary story about podcasts. 
That literally is what this is. <laughs> Any podcast is a scary story about podcasts. So, after he left, Mina began to cook the liver. She added vegetables and spices and simmered it all afternoon, just the way George liked it. I do remember being intrigued by the taste of this. I remember thinking, like, this sounded good as hell. When she thought it was done, she cut off a small piece and tasted it. It was delicious. The best she had ever made. She ate a second piece, then a third. It was so good, she could not stop eating it. This happens to me all the time. Yeah. Yeah, from cooking things where it's like... Especially when it's like a slow cook, like a long process. Yeah. You just or like a roast. You just keep sampling and then suddenly. And then suddenly. It was only when the liver was all gone that she thought of George. He would be coming home soon. What would he do when he found that she had eaten all the liver? Some men would laugh, but not George. He would be angry and mean, and she did not want to face that again. That scared me a lot as a kid and scares me to this day. It makes me so sad. It just goes to show you, like, how different these stories would be if all the characters had guns. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, if she had Craigslist and could, like, hire a guy for 10 grand to kill her husband. (laughs) Or if she just had, like, a... Or just buy liver. A 'er ne'er-do-well brother, you know? Yeah. Someone who had nothing to lose. If someone had a shitty brother with nothing to lose. (laughs) But where could she get another piece of liver that late in the day? Then she remembered the old woman lying in the church next door, waiting to be buried. Wow. This draws up a lot of, like, it's funny to think back then that after 5 p.m., you just couldn't get a cut of meat. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the cow, if you were an animal at that point and it was 5 p.m., you got to be alive. I mean, now that capitalism has run amok, this just never would have happened. Yeah, just get Postmates to go get me a side of beef. And have you, I mean, we've noted this. There's so much cannibalism in these stories, especially amongst the poor. It's always a great um, solution to a simple problem. (laughs) This is like when they talk to teens about, like, making good choices. Like, don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. That's very true. Yeah. That's what these, that's how cannibalism happens in these stories. Yeah, don't cut up a cadaver when you could just go the next town over to the butcher stop that's open till six. You know, just like have a small confrontation with your husband. I know, although and it, then he kills you. It heavily, yeah, it heavily implies that he's physically abusive, which is a huge bummer in this story. No, for the kids, they do it for the kids. <laughs> and then, okay, hard fast forward. Next paragraph. George said he never had a better dinner. Have some liver, Mina, he said. It's just delicious. I'm not hungry, she said. You finish it. That night, after George had fallen asleep, Mina sat in bed trying to read. But all she could think about was what she had done. Then she thought she heard a woman's voice. Who has my liver? It asked. Who has it? Was it her imagination? Was she dreaming? No, Mina. The woman's corpse no. is coming. Quick question. It's a ghost. Quick question. Yeah. She went next door. She, while mourning, cut the woman's stomach open, got her liver, brought it back. 
She went first. She went to the library. She asked for anatomy of old woman liver. <laughs> who's rich? The librarian said we don't have that. She said, okay, what do you have? She got the book, <laughs> took that under her tiny little arm, and then I guess went to the like broke into the butcher shop to get like carving tools mm-hmm. instead of stealing meat. Yeah, she disre- just took their tools. Disregarded the slabs of meat. Totally forgot. Yeah, went to the church, propped up the book on the open coffin and got to work and just was guessing. Oh, that is rough. I get why the what woman's What a mess upset. she made. Okay, so... But I also feel like these stories take place in the time where people just knew where livers were. That's true. Yeah, I do... I have no idea where a lot of my organs are. I regularly forget where my... Like, the your heart is in the center of your chest, right? It's actually not the right side of your... I think it's in your head, actually. <laughs> it's up in the nose area, which is why you get nosebleeds. Yep, there we go. And we don't want to hear any feedback about that. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't. <laughs> um, I do think it's like sort of centered at like bears left, like it, it skews left. Yeah, I like it. Um, it uh, it's on like an angle. It grains. It grains left. It grains left. <laughs> um, okay. Now the voice was closer. Who has my liver? It asked. Who has it? Mina wanted to run. No, no, she whispered. I don't have it. I don't have your liver. Now the voice was right next to her. Who has my liver? It asked. Who has it? Mina froze with terror. She pointed to George. He does, she said. He has it! Suddenly, the light went out, and George screamed and screamed. And that's the end. I love this. Oh, my God. That's such a good story. You told it so well. You're so talented. (laughs) Anna, Um, thank you. Right when you said the lights went out and screamed and screamed, um, which I... Absolutely remember that ending perfectly. Yep. Right when that happened, there was uh, someone slammed a door on my floor somewhere, and <laughs> it was very scary, especially because there was a sign in the lobby that said that our doorman, or there, we don't have a doorman, but someone who worked as a doorman in this building from 1978 to 2013 just died. Oh! So in my mind, he was um, here. What a weird thing to announce. A doorman you never knew is dead. Well, I, a lot of the people who live in this building oh, have been here for like long-time residents. Their whole lives, yeah. Wow. Um, anyway. Yeah. Oh, this one this, is, story. this one is scary. It also is a good just comeuppance, you know. Um, yes. Mina Mina is free of her abusive husband. Yeah. I guess it looks like she killed him. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> what um what do you think the ghost did to him physically? I think she went inside his stomach and found that her oh. liver was all chewed up, and then she took his liver. And so the first scream was she was, like, digging through his stomach. Opening him up. Yeah. Ew. Second scream was she was like, I'm just going to take his liver. So it's the scene in First Wives Club when Goldie Hawn comes in, and she's like, the Ming Vols, the Liechtenstein. Yeah. But, like, it's... And, like, the men pick it up and take it away, but it's, like, her liver. That is a direct adaptation of this story. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that that was based on this. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That explains the musical number. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, then weirdly just all the lyrics to You Don't Own Me and the story. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I always felt a little tacked on. <laughs> um, um. It's also, it's nice to see women get punished so often in these books in a really horrible way. Yes. And it's nice to see um, a jerk man get punished. I know. I always think about that with like horror genre. Why do we just prefer female victims? I don't know. I think like the idea of a man getting slashed to death feels a little bit like who cares? It's probably tied up in like very rough early ideas about vulnerability and like thinking that women were more vulnerable than than like or like that if a woman's in trouble, you know, they won't be able to do anything about it. Maybe it also is sort of like when men die, we sort of don't care as much because men are supposed to sort of die <laughs> young. <laughs> like we just have more examples in our culture of like just men being like, "I'm gonna go do parkour." <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's it's <laughs> like this is this is roughly the relationship between the boyfriend and girlfriend. In what's the one about climbing cliffs, cliff cliff climbing? Sir? The documentary. Do you know it? Chris. Chris. Oh, um, Free Solo? Free Solo, yes. I was about to say Man oh, on Fire, and I was like, no, that makes no sense. No, that was Man on Wire, oh, which my was gosh. the trade center. Did you all know I'm which, your... that guy sucks. Did ever, do all you listeners know that I'm your grandma, and that's how I talk about movies? Who is the girl from The Boy? It's Catherine Peta-Jones. Um, so interestingly, <laughs> this structure of story mirrors very closely uh, a structure that was popularized by Mark Twain called The Golden Arm. And there are a lot of different iterations of it in the series, The Big Toe, uh, Clinkity Clink, and this one, which is often a ghost or corpse trying to get back an item or body part that belonged to it. Um, And interestingly, in the appendix in the back, it says that this story is originated in the northeastern United States and that this particular version is from the 1940s, uh, which is made, which is separates itself because there is someone who survives in the end. Um, but there is a New York City version that Louis C. Jones, who was, oh. I guess, a, um, a collector of folktales, uh, in which the husband saves himself by removing his wife's liver and giving it to the ghost as a substitute for the one she had stolen. That sucks. That sucks. Yeah, I like this. I don't like that no, one. No, I like this one much more. Um, but yeah, that was Mark Twain made quite a living from doing this thing where he'd like stalk through the audience and gradually get louder and louder as he'd be like, "Who has my insert?" And then eventually he would jump at someone and be like, "You've got it!" And they would all scream and laugh, Ooh. and that was the whole deal. Who has my butthole? <laughs> <laughs> I know I, the answer. <laughs> I, you do. I have it. <laughs> okay. Um, also, That'll be $30 a person. <laughs> the illustration I really do love. It's kind of an iconic Stephen Gamble um, with some literal roots. It is an open coffin oh. out of which is emerging drips and... Uh, grass and dirt mounds and a lot of roots. And it's just a very good, kind of a catch-all illustration. But it makes sense for this one in that it's uh, ostensibly the old woman's open casket that uh, Mina got the liver from. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, 
I who would we cast, Anna? Oh God, um, I feel like Mina. I could see like a Greta Lee or like oh, oh that's good. Um, like sort of a hip girl, mm-hmm. or maybe a Gabby Hoffman. Gabby Hoffman. Oh my gosh, I like that a lot. Who would you cast? Uh, I have less intuition towards towards Mina because I think those are. I I actually think Greta Lee is a really great casting for that one. I feel for. Yeah, who are you doing for George? I feel for George. I'd be interested in. Uh, oh, who's the actor? Who's the actor who played Pam's fiance in The Office? I'm gonna look him up. Oh, that's good. I don't know who. Do you know that what I'm talking is. about? Yeah, I don't know. He strikes me as someone who would be good. Um, yeah, I just want a real nothing burger. You know, just like someone who like ugh. What what do you bring to the table? But is a good actor who like oh, yeah. who like can play that part very well. Um, I'm also thinking of the actor. <laughs> I, again, I'm your grandma, so I can't think of it. I th- can't think of his name. But the actor who's in, uh, I think he like plays the character in the movie Zodiac, who everyone th- is pretty sure is the Zodiac. Um, and he also plays, I think, Drew Carey's brother in the Drew Carey Show. Do you know who oh, I mean? Oh, I don't know him. Oh, gosh. There's nothing, there's also probably nothing more frustrating to, than to be a listener when you know the answer and the hosts don't. But I'm also sort of delighted when I, when I know something that the hosts don't know. Just shout it out in your house and we'll, we'll hear you. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the cast list for The Office right now. Brian Bumgardner would also be good. Uh, or Ed Helms, oh, you know, yeah. Ed Helms, I think would be, I'm, isn't it horrible that now I'm just strictly choosing from, uh, the cast of the, the office. Oh, it's perfect. There's plenty of ah. sort of Scranton types. David Denman. That's what I'm thinking of. Let me and he just sort of, yeah, he's just sort of like, he's a great, like you see him and you're like, this guy works in the factory. Oh, yeah. You know. He does, I would cast him as someone who would um, beat a lady to death for (laughs) eating his lunch. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, Roy. Roy is his name. Oh, what about the old woman? Who would be cast as the old woman? We always love this part the most. Um, I feel like maybe, uh, is there like a TikTok celebrity or... The kombucha, um, kombucha maybe girl. Maybe a child. Yeah. A thing where a child plays an old person. <laughs> Do you remember that thing? In, did you ever watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah. Where inexplicably, the uh, the Italian construction workers' like great grandmother is a Muppet, <laughs> and they just never no. they just never address it. She's just like an old oh, old God. Muppet, which I just love. Um, I don't know why, but Yoko Ono feels like a very exciting choice for the old woman. Oh, that's really good. Because I'm thinking, like, whose voice would be the creepiest to hear asking who has my liver? And I kind of feel like that would just be a single on a new album of hers. That's really good. It would just be her gently asking. You're very good at this, Andrew. Um, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. I think it is kind of a non-skill in that I don't know anybody's name. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I can tell yeah. you similar characters that they played. But I appreciate that very much. That that would be a good character is like a, a casting agent who's like, oh, what's his name? He's good. What's he in? <laughs> the guy. <laughs> I want um, I want to be around more Hollywood types like that who are kind of old brassy ladies who are like, you know, the guy he was in the movie with, uh, you know, uh, what's his name from uh, who was married to, you know, P.T. Anderson. It's like, what? What? Get him on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, call him up. Um, what what to you is scary about this story? Okay, um, non-considerate relationships are very scary. Uh, someone yeah. who's not interested in um, what you have to say or your observations throughout the day—that's very scary. Uh, having being confronted with the immediate consequence of an action you took that you thought was blameless, and then suddenly someone got hurt, and you're like, "Oh shoot." Oh God! Yeah, yeah, that absolutely that scares me. I hate any time my actions have some sort of impact on the real world. Oh. That actually makes me sick. I, I had a near panic attack yesterday. I went to go see Knives Out with Chris and our friend Paul, and I got in three seats together. But then they moved the theater, so all the numbers were off, and they had like double booked seats, and so everyone oh. it was like complete pandemonium and like there were several pairs of people who were like, you're in my seat. And the other person would be like, no, I'm not. Here are my tickets. They say these seats. And ours oh were one God. of those situations. And it was like, it took me a full 15 minutes after the movie had started to like come down from the anxiety of having to say to someone like, I'm so sorry, this thing has happened. Can you like, let's just all try to make this work together. And I felt so bad for the, uh, like the poor 19 year old, Usher at Arclight Cinemas. <laughs> and oh my God. under her breath, she did say, and I felt so bad for her. When I went to her, I was like, hey, I think this problem's happening. And she was like, yeah, I know. And then very quietly, she said, I knew this would happen when they did it. <laughs> oh, God. And I was like, someone give her a promotion and listen to her. And they did what? I know. I knew it was going to happen when they did it. Anyway, what's scary, what's scary about the story to you? Anything else? Yeah, I think similar things like the idea of being married to someone that you're afraid of is like, as a child reading it, I was like, how would that happen? <laughs> I know. Um, oh, uh, yeah, like not being able to, like painting yourself into a corner, like the feeling of being f- absolutely fucked because you're stupid and can't control yourself. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, like not being able to explain your own weakness to another person who will be angry. Oh, uh, that that's a that's a fallen ghost story for me. Um, also, like someone being like, "You have my thing." Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> you have my thing is very scary. Also, my absolute worst fear of all, ignore everything else I've said, mm-hmm. is eating something I'm not supposed to eat and then being yelled at. <gasps> I was background on. Uh, one thing, <laughs> one time where, like, I got wrong information about whether or not we were supposed to go start eating. Oh, no. And they were like, no, crew eats first. I was like, oh, I want to feel this way. Never. I never want to feel this way again. Oh, that is. I And that for me. Oh, oh. Anna, I know that. Oh, my feeling. God. It was a thing that I did. I worked at a website many years ago. And I, like, we got to the job at, like, a magazine and I went and there was like a coffee maker and I like got myself a coffee and I went inside 
and a woman from the magazine came up and said, so that is just for the people who work here and you don't work here. You're just here working today. And I was so mortified. Uh, Anyway, that is basically the same as having a ghost rip your liver out. Yeah, that I had a I had a very you telling these stories has enlisted in me like a very primal dread that one time I was staying with my brother and my sister-in-law and my brother and I had gotten home from a party and my sister-in-law had made brownies and I just was sort of like following the lead of my brother and he was like, oh, like she made brownies. We'll have some of these brownies. And we like had like a, a third of the tray, you know? Oh. And then the next morning my brother had left for work and I came downstairs. My sister-in-law was there and we have like a really great relationship and, and love each other very much. And she was like, hey, so those brownies were not for you guys. And to take that, to, to take, to receive oh. that information without my brother as like a buffer. And also there's something about when you have a sister-in-law, like you just, you just so want to, you know, be liked <laughs> that I, the guilt of that has never left me, even though she's been like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, like it's all totally fine. I still am not over that. And I feel I will be never in my own head paying that debt forever, even though for her, it's like, it means nothing. Oh, my God. Yeah, but nightmare. I just don't ever want to feel that. That's so... Also, specifically, a brownie is the kind of thing that, like, yeah. it feels so stupid. And I was, like, 17, too. so I especially felt like, oh, God, I'm an idiot. Like, I, you know, I'm not even a legal adult. I'm just a fool. You were grown. <laughs> I'm just a useless fool. I'm just a useless fool. Oh, my... Did- you can have sex with me. <laughs> but I'm useless. <laughs> Uh, Anna, what's something spooky that happened to you this week? Oh, my goodness. Do you have one? Uh, Yes, I do. I do. Should I go first? Oh, my spooky thing is that I just saw a small white moth in my house, and I'm worried that it's um, the kind that infests furniture. Oh. Because there was apparently a massive um, moth infestation at 30 Rock this (gasps) week, and they had to get rid of all of the carpet and furniture. Um, yeah, there's kind of nothing you can do. It with, you, they just replaced all the couches with synthetic oh. couches, which like e- all the couches were like 30 years old and like it was <laughs> it's for the best. absolutely time. But Containing it, the bodies um, of several pages within there. Yes, Christians. absolutely. Yeah. Got some page bones wearing up pirate hats. <laughs> um, but so now I'm afraid that um, I have to... I only saw one moth, mm-hmm. but um, it was white, and I think that that's the kind that eats your life. Oh yeah, well that's uh, there's a whole reason why people have mothballs, which never really occurred no. to me, you know. But moths eat holes in clothes. That's like who a, came up with moths? Yeah, this is insane. Let's do a let's do a punch up. They're f- I just went to Google little white. Little white moths, and it came up with little white lies. <laughs> <laughs> They're dusty white butterflies that eat clothes. Like, come on. Unbelievable. Um, um, what scary thing happened to you? Oh, I had a thing. You know when you have, similarly to this actually, in a way, when you have cooked food and you eat it, and then you have a panic that the food was bad? Oh. Do you know that feeling? Yes. When, like, the moment you finish eating something, you're like, oh, God, what was the expiration date on that thing? 
Uh, I had that experience with breadcrumbs where I made meatballs and I had eaten the meatballs and they all tasted fine. And then I was throwing out the canister of the breadcrumbs and I saw that they, it was like best use before October, 2017. And I was like, "Oh, Oh, I have, I have some sort of wheat parasite, you know? Um, a weed is a weed is that is that is unkillable by you know 450 degree temperatures. Uh, that was my fear. It turned out to be fine, thankfully. And my uncle, who worked for the health department, often said that very often the most likely thing that gives you food poisoning are often raw vegetables, and oh. very rarely do you get food poisoning from something that has been thoroughly cooked. You might get an upset stomach, but you will not. Uh, it will not be like violent. Sickness because that's not that's not what the bacteria that give you food poisoning would eat. Correct. <laughs> wow. Okay. Cool. That's a, actually a thrill to hear because I did eat herbed butter that was in my freezer. Um, Sara Lee bread sent a bunch of bread. <gasps> oh my god! To SNL. That is. The and I took a, a loaf home, and I don't have butter in my house because I don't um, cook anything. <laughs> and the only butter I had was herbed butter in my freezer that had been there. I actually have no idea how long, so I think that medically that means that it's been there for four years at least. <laughs> and I Googled how long. I already put it on my bread and was eating it, and I was like, this tastes weird. Um, the bread was delicious, oh. but the butter was like, I can't tell if this tastes weird because it's herbed butter. Anyway, the internet said butter's good up to 12 months in the freezer, but it will stay safe indefinitely. Yeah. Um. Which is great to hear. Yeah, that was pretty much anything in the freezer. Don't don't hold me to this. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I kind of feel like anything that you get and immediately put in the freezer for a long time, it might not taste good after a while, but the chances of it killing you, I think, are are much lower. That's great. You know, any comfort is good comfort. You know. Well, I'm very glad that those um, breadcrumbs didn't take you away from me. (laughs) I would die from breadcrumbs, wouldn't I? Oh my god, that would suck. I know it's going to be something humiliating. I just know it, but that's okay. I'm at peace with that. I try to live the rest of my life with dignity, wearing wigs and foisting myself <laughs> on the internet, but it's okay. No, 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 no. It's going to be great. It's all good. Oh my god, Andrew, thank you so much for this amazing story. Oh, Anna, thank you so much for contributing so much lovely insight into it and making me laugh. Oh, boy. And everybody else, we wish you very safe travels, um, or we wish you very safe cooking in your place where you don't leave. Yeah, or safe um, not doing anything and just staying in the same place and um, working. Oh, love that. And maybe even working Thanksgiving, a thing that I did for many years. Oh, God bless you if you're one of those people. We've all been there. It's going to be cool. God bless. God bless. God bless. Honestly, Hey, God bless. And you know what else? You should be so lucky. God bless and get get out. out. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.